Hello, and welcome to the Old Soul Archaeology Podcast. My name is Michelle Janae. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Are you ready to dig deep? Hello, and welcome back to the Old Soul Archaeology Podcast. This is Old Soul Sojourn with Ashley Sunray, and I am your hostess, Michelle Janae. Hello, Ashley Sun. How are you? I'm good, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing very well. So I want to I want to introduce you to our listeners, and then I want to get into um, this funny thing we call names. So Ashley Sun Ray currently lives in Toronto, Canada, but her soul yearns to be somewhere warm by the ocean and immersed so deeply in nature. She's a holistic skin therapist and provides custom facials that are intuitive and plant-derived with Reiki healing. She has been intimately exploring her connection with death since she was a little girl when she had her first near-death experience. Since the pandemic started, she has felt called to work in hospice, which gave her another layer of understanding of the many forms of death and transformation that humans experience. Her current focus is to develop her mediumship abilities so that she's able to offer healing to people and their loved ones. Her highest vision is to be a vessel of love and light for everyone around me. What a beautiful old soul you are. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, let's talk a little bit about your name, Sun. I don't know if you prefer to be called Sun or if you prefer to be called Ashley, but I noticed since I visited your website, I found you because I saw that you had shared one of my quotes on your homepage and I was really honored. And the more I looked into your website and who you were, I thought, well, let's let's just reach out and make a connection. And this is where we ended up. So tell me a little bit about your name and how it's changed or how you've um, adopted a new identity, I guess, through it. Mm, thank you. So my name, so I was born with the name Ashley Mary Ray. Um, and Mary is my grandmother's name. And it's also my great grandmother's name and my great great grandmother's name. So Mary is a very special name to me. Um, I also connect Mary to the divine feminine as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, And my name has evolved and changed, especially over the past five years. I left Canada. There was a lot of chaos in my life, a lot of destruction, and I was looking for a new life and change. And so I moved to England on my own when I was 19 and ended up falling in love with a beautiful British man. Mm -hmm. And... I and we got married and I took his last name and then you know as life goes things didn't work out and um, I when I moved back to Canada I you know again I was faced with this um, rediscovery of myself and a big part of that was exploring who I was again and I think our names hold so much energy Mm -hmm. and for me you know I still have legally I still hold my ex-husband's last name um but that part of my journey the the part the the energy that that name holds is is still a 
is still kind of who I am right now. I, I haven't made this huge transition yet to, to change that, that last name legally. So for the meantime, I've gone back to Ray, which is my beta name. Um, but I think once I go through this process of deep change and rebirth, which I can really feel is coming, then you know a, a new a new last name will will be born. Mm. Um, and Sun is a name that I've kind of adopted through my travels, through exploring um, healing modalities all over the world, specifically Latin America. Um, I feel that I'm really able to shine um, on the land there and I feel like I'm I I'm able to explore the depths of myself mm. um, really clearly when I'm there and um, a lot of people were calling me soul while I was in Latin America which translates to sun in Spanish so soul or sun or soul is just um, yeah it's my bliss it's my it's my it's me really seeing me for who I am. And so I've adopted that name. Sun. That's beautiful. Um, I mean, I even when you say it, sun or soul, it's the energy, you can feel it. And it's incredible. And I love how you point out that you can see yourself. Because while other people were calling you soul, the more that you see this in yourself, the more other people can see it. And, you know, we always talk about how other people see, see us in ways that we can't. And that's true. But I think that our real impact is when we see ourselves for who we are, and then project that out into the world, just like the sun shining. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, what a beautiful story. So yes. well, wonderful. I do want to talk a little bit. So I understand that you are uh, a Reiki practitioner. And you you use breath work, sound, scent, touch and ritual. So definitely, a healer and a light worker. Um, you lead by intuition. Were you always a healer? Did you always know yourself in this way? Or tell me a little bit about growing up and what that was like, your, your process of discovery. So I think the biggest thing for me was my early childhood experiences. I had um, kind of one of the biggest moments in, in my life um, was in elementary school, I was picked on, I was bullied. And for me, my, my real sense of connection became God and source that, you know, I had from such a young age, I set up an altar in my room, and I had all my prayer books, and, and I would pray before bed. And that really gave me the sense of love and connection. And um, I, you know, growing up, I then I had acne. I suffered from really bad skin, and my mom would take me to this beautiful esthetician named Iris. And being able to lay down and be held, um, and to have my face massaged, and to have someone really show that they cared for me in in such a beautiful way, using all these potions and you know, um, that really opened my eyes up for the first time of what a healing modality looked like. I'm um, just experiencing it on the other side. So, um, and then that kind of together with my experiences of being bullied, I really wanted to bring that experience to other people. I wanted to be that, 
you know, those caring hands that held someone when maybe they were having a rough day or a difficult time or they were struggling with their skin and to, to be, you know, the iris, to, to be that, that light for someone. So that was kind of my early connection to healing and healing modalities. Wow, that's beautiful. It reminds me of going to get my hair done. The best part of getting my hair done is when they're washing my hair. <laughs> when I get that scalp massage, it's like, it, it really is true that that touch is so, it really amplifies the process of what we might just call something topical or physical or, or mundane. I mean, I can imagine receiving a skin treatment from you is very elevated. <laughs> Thank you. You know, we've all been to estheticians that are just going through the motions, right? And I, I wonder what the connection or the disconnection is for somebody like that who is in a, a healing career or profession and is somehow disconnected. And I have to think that it's probably disconnect from self. Mm. Yeah. I'm wondering if you have yeah. any thoughts on that, especially as we focus on this connection with yourself through your name, you know, soul shining and being this, this ray of sun. Mm. Do you find that yeah. there are ways where you sometimes disconnect from the process and have to remind yourself that it's it's about becoming centered in order to get back into the healing? Mm, yeah. So for sure there's there's times when I, you know, I'm I'm giving a treatment and my mind goes off somewhere else and it's reminding myself of what my work is when I'm in that setting and that is to be this vessel of healing and love and light um and you know it is such a different experience like you said when you when you go to someone you and you can feel that you know maybe there's a little bit more disconnection from when you have a you know a, a body-based treatment and that person is so mindfully connected to you. Um, I, I find that with my treatments and even with, you know, treatments I've received from the girls in the clinic that I work in, we're all very mindful and very um, connected to ourselves. And the treatments are just pure magic. Like they really allow you to tap into your parasympathetic, like everyone falls asleep, everyone, you know, <laughs> is floating and they feel amazing afterwards, but it is this like consciousness. Like when I'm, when I'm giving a, a treatment, it's this, um, you know, I'm like really, really mindful of being present. And sometimes being present for me is, you know, sending love, sending affirmations to that person while I'm massaging their face, telling them I love them, telling them they're beautiful in my mind, you know, and that just connects me, connects me deeper to them. And also just, really seeing them for who they are and and the vulnerability it takes for someone to lay down and to trust mm -hmm. you you know to to trust that they're in a safe space to close their eyes like it's 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 a very vulnerable state to be in and I'm blessed and grateful that 
people trust me to 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 treat them yeah it's it's an honor i'm sure to be on either end of of that process the healer or the the one being healed the thing i love about reiki is that it it works with us or without us but as the channel the one you know we can we can be a block for energy too so um that and then the power of intention and in our thoughts is so so powerful and to know that you integrate that i mean i think we take for granted the power of anything that isn't physical in our current society um certainly the way i grew up everything was about the physical and now you have the doctors that with um, allopathic medicine it's all about pieces and parts and it's not as holistic as it should be um, i think it's changing but you know and certainly when we think of insurance at least here in the united states insurance doesn't always cover the spiritual side right it doesn't cover the holistic side of things and so it can be very challenging for people to actually feel worthy enough in themselves to make that investment right and yet mm. it pays off in spades yes yes yeah. that's so true yeah yeah well beautiful so you have a goal to move to where the sun is always shining and i i don't know much about um toronto but i imagine it's it's kind of cold i know you probably get a lot of what is it the nor'easters the storms <laughs> where would you go where where whether it's a a named destination or um where would you go and what would it look like yeah um so yes toronto is we have like true seasons but the winter is very cold and it lasts you know, a very long time. Um, so I'm not sure exactly where I would go. I, I can feel that there's a big move coming next year. And I'm just trying to surrender to what that is and what that looks like. Um, I wanted to mention as well that your quote, um, it's actually so interesting how I found it. It's oh, really? such a cool story. <laughs> yeah. So when I was in, so I, I love South America and I love, I love um, plant medicine. I'm very fascinated by plant medicine. Mm -hmm. And I went to Peru and I ended up doing ayahuasca while I was there. And one of the messages that came through so strongly as if someone was, you know, standing next to me, whispering it in my ear was your quote. And I tried to remember it after the, after, you know, the experience the next day, I was like, what was that? What, what, what did that message say? And I typed in your quote online wow. and it was almost word for word, what had come through with the ayahuasca. Um, so yeah, there's definitely this call for me to work more with ayahuasca. And I think that mm -hmm. that's connect, connected to my um, me wanting to explore death more. I think that ayahuasca is like the death of the ego and it gives people that opportunity to really deeply explore themselves. And so I could see myself working at 
you know, an ayahuasca retreat somewhere and helping people integrate their experiences and also maybe offering some of my modalities at the center. I don't know if that would be like full-time living there. Maybe I would also have, you know, a place in Canada, but I'd be moving a lot. I can see myself. I, I really want to move. I really want to have this freedom to get up and go and explore and, you know, be a part of different communities all over the world and meet lots of people. And, um, but yeah, I have, I, I definitely love Latin America and the medicine and the land. So mm. anywhere, you know, there I'd be happy. Wow. I'm, I'm still, I just, I have tears in my eyes and I have goosebumps and, and that there are so many layers to what you just said about, about where you want to be and about death and about medicine in general, and especially plant medicine, because I haven't tried ayahuasca. I've studied shamanism for a few years now, and I was always the person who didn't smoke or didn't drink or didn't, you know, I was grew up very, very strict religious. And it wasn't, um, it, it was taboo, which is funny. Taboo actually means sacred. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in, in, our understanding of the word, it was forbidden, it was prohibited, and it was, it was borderline, um, you know, sin, or just, or just straight up sin. Um, so yeah, I, I love that, that you've gone there, because my daughter actually went to Peru, and went to Machu Picchu, and she didn't do ayahuasca, but she's interested in going back and trying it. And um, to know that my quote, that's really humbling because it's, you know, we're just channels. I mean, it's, it's humbling because, you know, if I can get my ego out of the way to be a channel for that thought is kind of my goal with old soul archeology. span And it's to help other people open up to their own inner channels and rediscover their own old soul, which is connected to source there, mm. there, there is no disconnection. It's just illusion, right? I do have to be honest with that quote. It's actually a modified quote by a Christian author. I'm trying to think of her name, Joyce Myers. And her quote is, if you saw the size of the blessing, you would understand this. So in the essence of that quote, which I don't have pulled up right now, and I don't have my quotes memorized. Um, if you saw the size of the blessing, you'd understand the struggle is basically the gist of it, right? And I just thought, unfortunately, we're so focused on getting, right? Doing to get, doing to have. And as I was reading this quote one day, I'm like, it's not about the blessing. It's about the blessing we can be for mm -hmm. others. That's it. Right? That's the essence of Reiki. So I, it, the, the quote is mine because it's, it's, but it was modified from something that I think has meaning for a lot of people. And there is something to that because we do live in a physical world and there are things that we need to be able to not get or take, but to receive. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so, oh, and then you talk about death. No, wait, I'm backing up. Plant <laughs> medicine, right? Mm -hmm. So in our society, the problem with plant medicine is there's no wisdom in much of Western society. We've, we've logicalized and rationalized away all wisdom 
but we're coming back to that. I see such an awakening of interest in shamanism and plant medicine and um, other spiritual modalities such as Akashic records and just Reiki itself as, as a universal life force. So I love that there's that. It's unfortunate that we can't have more of that here. And it, it is unfortunate too that some people here go there to Peru or to wherever and it's it's kind of a tourist destination instead of a spiritual experience, right? Mm -hmm. totally. So, yeah. yeah and then, yeah, no, I was just gonna say, I, I feel like our our world is 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 opening up to new possibilities, and these tools are are there's new tools that are coming out to help people explore themselves and. You know, I know in Toronto, they've just opened the first center where they give people, um, I can't remember the medical name for it, but like mushrooms. Psilocybin. Yeah, the psilocybin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Psilocybin. So, I yeah. Something, something like that. Psilocybin. Yeah. 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 Um, and and then you know they have a, a therapy session with with someone and and because they're you know on they're on this medicine they're able to dive deeper and into their their psyche into their unconscious and um, there's all these studies that are coming out you know showing you know how supportive um, you know the mushrooms have been for people that suffer from PTSD like mm -hmm. soldiers, you know, and it's, it's just, it's so amazing that, you know, there, there are people like, like me and like you who, you know, there's so many things that we want to explore that, you know, like Reiki and the shamanic healing and all these different things that, you know, we can add into our toolbox to help people. And, but some people, those, those tools aren't as easily accessible for, or, or it takes more work, it takes more time. So I think having a tool like, being able to go into, you know, a session with a, a psychotherapist and being able to, you know, have this instant experience and to be able to, you know, let it all come out and to be in a safe space to see it and to honor it. I think it's, 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 it's really amazing. And I think this is where our world is really headed is, is using more plant-based medicine and understanding the wisdom that the medicine does really hold. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting because in, you know, the 60s and 70s, LSD was on everybody's minds and on their tongues and um, it was quickly closed down. And I think that a lot a lot of the reason why it gained traction was because the government was already studying it and it got out into the public and the public went, hey, <laughs> this is eye opening. And of course, there was there's always going to be misuse of items as you know, plant medicine or or um, even prescription medicine or any substance. I mean, we do it with food. We do it with sugar. We do it with all of these things. Right. Without wisdom, we have more danger of that. So what I think is really happening is the wisdom is bubbling up. Mm -hmm. Right. So that we can reapproach these things um, like the psilocybins and the, the LSD type things. And there are still therapists that use very quietly, <laughs> I think, uh, here in the States, things like LSD and those types of substances, the mushrooms. 
and then even some plant medicines and the the frog medicine as well oh yeah um it's fascinating it's really fascinating to see but it's also interesting to see the trajectory of how things closed down because there's so much fear around average people coming into their own power That's and so we're seeing a lot of that even more than ever now in our world we're seeing this vast closing down and this rampant fear but the really cool thing is that with tools like this we can rise above it so we might be physically within this bubble but we're, we're not limited to that physicality right mm -hmm. yeah that's so beautifully said yeah it's it's yeah it's time now for people to really step and be in their power it's it's needed for the the healing of our planet Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's all starts with right here. I mean, it really sounds like a cliche, right? Be the change you want to see in the world. But I, I was actually talking with my husband about this the other day because I was listening to this talk by Carolyn Meese. Are you familiar with Carolyn Meese? No, I'm not actually. Uh, she's, she's beautiful. She's a medical intuitive. She's uh, studied archetypes and um, you can find her online at Meese.com, M-Y-S-S.com. But she was doing this talk in London and she was talking about how the spiritual age was actually born with the advent of nuclear science. So her, her philosophy or theory was that as we developed nuclear weapons, we had this amazing power, right, to do good or to do evil, who knows. But she says, we're so misled and we're under this spell that we're protected from that, that it will never be used on us, that we'll never suffer because we have more than they have or blah, 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 blah. And she said, that's the reason for the spiritual advent, because in this instance, we have to become the type of people that wouldn't use this nuclear power in, in that way, right? So I was telling this to my husband and he said, yeah, but you have to understand that, you know, it's also about self-protection. It's about knowing that if we have some power, then we're not at the mercy of someone who has the power when we don't. And I said, that's absolutely true. It's absolutely true on a physical level. This is the world we live in, right? But on a spiritual level, Carolyn Meese is also right. Mm. Right. So totally. it's really yeah. tough to balance both of those because they seem contradictory. But what I love about spirituality, what I love about source is all the paradox. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. So I want to talk about death because that's another thing in our society that we think we're, we're so protected from. We want, you know, society, we think we need to be shielded from it. Um, we think that it's, it's unfair that we ever have to die. It's unfair that we suffer. We can prolong life until, you know, even forget quality of life. We're just going to prolong life. We're going to keep the heart beating and all is good. Because if they're still here physically, because we focus so much on the physical, then everything's okay. We can ignore all of the rest of it. We can stuff our feelings. We can stuff the reality. We can put everything into shadow. Mm -hmm. So... Tell me about your experience with death. You, you said you had a near-death experience when you were younger. Tell me a little bit about that and how that shaped your approach to death. 
Oh, it's kind of hard. There's so many parts to this question. Um, <laughs> so what, tell me so, what happened. What was, what yeah. happened that you were, you almost died? Mm -hmm. So I've actually had two near-death experiences. Both have been around water um, and, dr and drowning, essentially. Um, with both times, I saw um, the white light that I was you know, I can remember it so vividly, just swimming towards this white light mm. um, and then kind of blacking out after that. Um, but that, and then that, that experience was always followed by this opening of connecting to the angelic realm. So then being able to connect with angels, being able to see angels, being able to sense them. Um, even to this day, you know, if I've had a tiring day and, and I'm about to go to sleep and close my eyes, I feel gentle touching like on my neck or I'll smell lavender oil. And, and I imagine it to be angels, you know, with roll on essential oils, <laughs> putting a little bit on me before bed. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so that connection with, with death, but then also having this profound experience with the light and the healing that would just pour into my life after that um and then and then yeah I've always been really curious with with physical death and you know as you know growing up I would have friends you know that would experience death and you know they you know their parents would pass away or their grandparents or whoever it was and it wasn't something that I had ever experienced. And, and I feel like all my life, you know, from a very young age, I had had a lot of really big experiences that had allowed me to explore different, different emotions. Um, but death wasn't something that I had had experienced outside of myself. So mm -hmm. I became really fascinated with that process because it also felt weird for me to not have any tools to be able to support someone because I hadn't gone through it. Um, so then last summer I experienced death for the first time and it was my grandfather had passed away. And prior to his passing, I had dreamt so vividly that he was going to pass. And mm. um, I grieved, I, you know, I was crying, sobbing in my sleep. Um, and when I woke up, I was, you know, I felt so clear and, and I told my family what was going to happen. And, um, you know, then when my grandpa did end up passing, I was able to be that space holder for my family because I had already grieved. I had already felt everything. Mm. Um, and that has happened a, f a few times since, but that's where my relationship with death really comes in now with being a space holder around death is especially when I'm working with families or I'm working with individuals, I'm able to have all the full feels inside of myself through my dreams usually so that I'm able to hold space in the way that I intuitively feel I, you know, what that looks like in my dreams. I'm able to bring that into the physical yeah. world. Yeah. Like it's integrated and, and already a part of you. And unfortunately, I think that grieving and grief is 
instead of being an integration is often a separation from ourselves. It's like we, we disconnect and I don't understand it. I worked in hospice too, when I was on the administrative side. Um, and it was, it was very interesting. And I just lost an aunt as well. And the way I approached it, I think was very different than what is norm, what is expected for how you view someone's death. My aunt was, she was a beautiful lady, very gregarious, but she harbored a lot of bitterness after losing her husband. And even though she remarried and had another child and things like that, she was just always like, life is so unfair. So there was a lot of uh, potential bitterness. And I didn't have a real, real close relationship with her since I graduated from high school. But I think I was like grieving is important and it's important even though we know some of us know that life goes on and the energy just transforms right they're not gone mm -hmm. they're just not here physically how do we how do we approach it with a a healthy grief because they're gone you know cuz i started to question well am i supposed to grieve at all mm. You know, what, what would you say to that? We do know that they're, they're, they've moved on and I would believe in a better place. And I was, I was raised to believe in heaven and hell. Well, I don't believe it. I believe that we have hell on earth more <laughs> yeah. than, than there is in, in, you know, beyond, which is connected to source. I've also heard too, that when you move into the transition between lives, that you kind of experience that transition, how your mind perceives it. So if you think it's going to be kind of met by the devil, you're going to kind of get that experience. But I also have read accounts where people move through that and they do actually end up in, it's more of a, a recounting, right? Where they have to come to terms and maybe bring this out of shadow. I'm not sure. What do you think about that, that grieving? Why is it important that we grieve if we know they're in a better place? Mm -hmm. I think it's our, I think that we always have an opportunity to explore death. And I think that death has so many different faces and shapes and forms. Mm -hmm. And death can be a breakup or a loss of a job or, yes. um, you know, um, ending of a friendship. And I think that a lot of people, they don't, they don't allow themselves to grieve those things, you know, and we're not taught to explore our, we're not taught to have, to be able to express ourselves in a, in a healthy way and to be able to grieve and, you know, express anger. A lot of people suppress how they feel and, and you know eventually that turns into anger and resentment so I think that we always have an opportunity to explore death and I and for me that's what my journey has has really been about exploring all the mini deaths exploring you know my divorce letting myself grieve um, like letting myself experience it and not suppress it mm -hmm. and not and you know so I think I think that really shapes and maybe makes it a little bit easier when you do have a physical death of a, of a family member or a friend because 
you have you've experienced it in a different way so many times I don't know that's that's the way that I see it and I think that um I think yeah I think that grief is a is is such a big emotion that there's so much shame around right um and yeah does that does that answer your question? I think it I think it does and I really do I love that you stress the fact that death is is in everything right it is in the breakup it's in the in in one of my podcasts I talked about the ending of my 17 year marriage to the uh, father of my children and of course I was raised to believe in till death do you part and I had to one day ask myself to the till the death of what Hmm, yeah. Oh, till the death of the relationship, clear for takeoff. We can, you know, it's like yeah. this revelation that death is all around us. It isn't just about the physical. It's about it is about relationships ending and sometimes just transitioning. It's about the the Christian notion of born again. You know, dying to our old self, and we do that every night, mm -hmm. right? Every night is a is a mini death. And I think that's very poignant because now I, I can see as you were talking about this, I could see as grief as a closure, a coming to terms with almost like a life review. So we can review our relationship with whatever it is that has, has passed, not in a way that is supposed to bring shame, but in a way that allows us to grow that allows us to live fuller lives, right? And and I think that, yeah, it can be sad. <laughs> Oftentimes, I think that what we grieve is what we wished we'd had and not what we actually had, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it, like grieving a relationship, going through a divorce, you grieve the loss of what you always hoped for that wasn't there anyways. So mm -hmm. that grieving process really kind of allows you to purge and cleanse Mm hmm. Yeah. And hold on to and integrate, you know, the, the beautiful parts. And yes, you know, it's like that balance of letting go and cleansing and also holding and, you know, also integrating and, and integrating the lessons, integrating um, the love and, and all that. But yeah, there's, there's like two sides to it. Yes. Right? Yes. Thank you for that. That's very important because there isn't I don't think there's anything that is entirely one-sided. And um, and I think the things that we tend to see as more negative are actually more positive. I think there probably is more positive to everything if we approach it the right way. But yes, there's so much beautiful things that come out of everything we do. Um, and that's where the healing's at, right? Mm -hmm. Not just viewing it from a negative point of view. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, soul, son. <laughs> we have had quite an amazing chat today. And I am fascinated by everything that you bring to the world. I'm looking forward to knowing you better, maybe having you back again. Hopefully this wasn't too painful. <laughs> no, it's so lovely. Thank you. Yeah, you would love to come back. Awesome. You did say that your highest vision is to be a vessel of love and light for everyone around me. And I've truly felt that today. 
I do want to let our listeners know that they can find you at goldensunwarmsun.com and on Instagram at goldensunwarmsun. So once again, it's been an old soul sojourn with Ashley's son, Ray. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) And my name is Michelle Janae, and this is Old Soul Archaeology. Thank you for listening. Until next time, dig deep.